Faith, Hope and Love, episode 199, The Baptism of the Lord, Year A. The Christmas season ends this weekend and ordinary time begins with the celebration of the start of Christ's public ministry, which is very fitting indeed. John the Baptist giving Jesus baptism had quite a different effect to his baptizing others. For us, a baptism by John would be an admission of our sinfulness and our desire for God's mercy. For Jesus, it was the revelation that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who will save us from our sins. Today we recall our baptism, and we know that we have been cleansed and united to God forever by the waters made holy, imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit by Jesus. What a wonderful mission we're called to. This is Faith, Hope and Love. After the Lord was baptized, the heavens were opened, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and the voice of the Father thundered, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hello everyone and may our Lord's justice sustain us as we take this time to offer our praise, prayers and intercession to our loving God. Brothers and sisters, as one family in Christ, let us prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries by first calling to mind our sins. Lord Jesus, you are the image of the unseen God. Lord, have mercy. You are the firstborn of all creation. Christ, have mercy. You are the head of the body, the church. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good.
Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who, when Christ had been baptized in the river Jordan, and as the Holy Spirit descended upon him, solemnly declared him your beloved Son. Grant that your children by adoption, reborn of water and the Holy Spirit, may always be well-pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Chapter forty-two, verses one to four and six to seven. Thus says the Lord: Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him; he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. The word of the Lord. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Oh, give the Lord, you children of God, give the Lord glory and power, give the Lord the glory of His name, adore the Lord in His holy court. The Lord's voice resounding on the waters, the Lord on the immensity of waters, the voice of the Lord full of power, the voice of the Lord full of splendor. The God of glory thunders. In his temple they all cry, "Glory!" The Lord sat enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits as king for ever. The Lord will bless his people with peace. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Chapter ten, verses thirty-four to thirty-eight. Peter began to speak. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. You know the message He sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, 
how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The Word of the Lord Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The heavens were opened, and the Father's voice was heard. This is my Son, the Beloved, listen to him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptised, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord John the Baptist, who came ahead of Jesus the Messiah in order to prepare the way for him, was very confused when our Lord appeared along with a whole number of penitents and asked John the Baptist to baptise him. John's was a baptism of repentance for sin, And John knew perfectly well, as did our Lord himself, that Jesus had nothing to repent of, nor did he have any sins. Also, John had said that the humble baptism that he, John, was preaching was nothing compared to the baptism with the Spirit that Jesus would give to the world. And yet, here is the Lord asking John the Baptist to baptize him. Jesus reassures John with the mysterious explanation, Let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, we both must do this, as it is the wish of the Heavenly Father. It's part of his plan to save his beloved people. The full meaning of righteousness mentioned in this gospel is not really able to be accurately translated into English because one word in English just doesn't capture it. Many words really don't quite capture it either. Using the word righteousness tends to confuse it with more modern uses which bring in ideas of self-righteousness or legalism. In the full original sense, righteousness 
is not merely an outward quality or an outward series of actions, but it's a measure of the qualities and nature of God, who is utterly good and just, perfectly consistent and authentic in every way. So, to fulfil all righteousness is to act in a way that goes to the very inner core and truth of God's heart. It's cooperating with God whose plan is to save us all, to take our side, to be our defender and protector, to be our patron, and to make the inner life of the heart match the outer expression of our actions. True righteousness is a quality that only God fully has, as it's God's nature, reflecting authenticity, goodness and justice. I know by saying all this that I still haven't captured the true meaning of the term righteousness, but at least it puts a sense of the huge depths of the meaning of that word. Jesus was showing the wonderful quality that he always had, utter obedience to the will of his beloved Father. It didn't matter if things made sense to anyone at this point. This is what the Heavenly Father wanted. This is what God asked for, and Jesus was going to make sure he got it. John, although obviously confused, was convinced by this and cooperated. Also, by being baptised as he was, Jesus was revealing what kind of plan he and his Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit had in mind for his beloved children. And it's consistent with other parts of the Scriptures. The answer is revealed also in Pope Francis's recent homily on the last day of last year, where he said, God changed the world through a man born poor in an undistinguished town of a simple woman of faith. We must not be afraid or feel inadequate for such an important mission. Let us remember, God doesn't choose us for our bravura, our magnificence, our brilliance, our astounding technical skills or any sort of excellence. But in fact, God chooses us because we are small and we feel small. God's decision is clear. To reveal his love, he chose a small, poor, scorned city, and later in his life, when he reached Jerusalem, he joined the population of sinners and the rejected. None of the inhabitants of that city realised that the Son of God made man was walking through its streets. Probably not, even initially his disciples did. The Pope stresses that God dwells not only in the temple but among the people. He dwells in the midst of his people. He walks with them and lives their life. His fidelity is strong and palpable, touchable, concrete. It's such a nearness to the daily existence and struggles of his beloved children. When God wants to make all things new through his Son, he doesn't begin from the temple, but from the human birth, made possible by the cooperation and obedience of a humble and poor woman from his own people. This choice of God is extraordinary. So it was always God's plan that through the love and nearness of Jesus, his beloved Son, he would save the people from their sins by immersing himself in their world 
and immersing himself in their plight. A bit like a modern-day lifesaver who dives into the water to save the drowning person, gets fully in there with them to bring them to safety. Jesus identified himself and associated with sinners and outcasts and people bowed down by the chains of this world's injustice and tragedy, and he even allowed himself to be mistakenly accused of being a sinner himself. He even died a sinner's death. He died a criminal's death so as to take on the sins of all who were guilty, even though he was utterly innocent. In that sense, we can see why he submitted to baptism, not to atone or admit for any personal sin of himself, but to be with his people who were drowning in their own sin and alienation. He got into the muddiness and messiness and dangerous currents of life, even though he was blameless himself, in order to save us. He was also approving of and associating himself with the people's sincere movement of repentance and conversion that John's preaching and preparation brought to effect. Plus, the people's heartfelt response was leading to this. For this gathering of people and their unprecedented admission that even though they were the chosen people of God, they had still strayed and they were still in need of purification. This was a powerful sign of the kingdom arriving which Jesus was now ushering in. Never before had there been such a unique national movement of penitence and of collective searching for God. This was the very moment for which Jesus had been waiting. People were very conscious of their sin and deeply aware of their need for God as never before. This was his opportunity. And in his baptism, he identified himself with the people whom he lovingly came as God made flesh in order to save them. In this hour of their new consciousness of their sin and of their search for God. So what better time and place for him to begin his public ministry? And in this complete obedience and humility, the father searched his heart, which the father knew perfectly well already, and found no fault, no trace of sin. The father declared to all who would accept it, this is indeed not just a son of mine, as in one who does God's will, but this is the son of mine, my only begotten son. I am pleased with him. Listen to him. And in these words, he recalled the ancient predictions that an obedient servant and son would suffer for the sins of others. Jesus is now clearly seen as the Messiah and also one whose mission is suffering love to save us all who are trapped by sin and injustice. This gospel also reveals the superb reality that God, the Trinity, is utterly involved in Christ's mission because the Father confirms, the Son obeys and the Spirit empowers. All three persons of the Trinity are featured in this astounding moment in the gospel. This is the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. 
Christ being baptised is showing us that he takes very seriously his desire to share in our human nature, to be united with his people, especially all who are bowed down, trapped in their own sinfulness or hopelessness. God takes on all of our humanity and shows us the way to live our lives. Baptism literally means plunging, as in plunging into water. So too we are plunged into Christ's life and his way of living. We are immersed completely in his self-emptying way of loving, a love that gives absolutely everything, even unto death, death on a cross. Jesus invites us by going into these waters to follow him into the living streams of his good news as experienced in our daily lives and actions. The regular practice of loving as Christ loves is at times extremely challenging to say the least. Jesus, the suffering servant, subjects himself to the human condition out of love, service and sacrifice for our good. Christ's baptism signals the commencement of his public ministry. He has come from quiet and humble obscurity, from 30 or so years of everyday living, and now is dramatically appearing on the public scene for the first time. He's revealed at last as the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Son of God. He is the suffering servant of the Father, with whom the Father is well pleased. Jesus' baptism is an invitation for us to reflect upon the public and communal dimension of our baptismal call. Our Lord shows us that discipleship is not merely a personal thing. It's not just a private activity. Being part of Christ's good news is participating in a very public ministry of Christ himself. Not just about me and my sins or my life or my own righteousness or lack thereof. And so it's a good time to ask ourselves, in what ways do I step forward publicly, as Jesus did, as a way of announcing and living practically the new reality represented by Christ? And what can I do to live out my baptismal commitment more openly, more publicly, more consistently? Christianity is a distinctly communal religion. It's never solely a private devotion. There's no such thing as a solo Christian, even when we might be occasionally working away on our own. We're still united in the family of God. How do we put this into action? Everyone who conducts their daily lives, their family life, their jobs, and any other daily activities in the intentional spirit of Jesus' good news, that is, with humility, gentleness, justice, mercy, practical care, attentiveness to God's word, attention to our brothers and sisters around us and their needs, any time we're acting in compassionate love in anything, everyone who daily decides to live this way is living their baptismal calling in a very practical way. May the Lord who calls us to follow him into the waters of baptism raise us to newness of life so that, united with Christ, we may serve him in everything we do and say, 
giving public witness to all by our love and service. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. We come before God, who gives us the gift of faith in baptism. For the baptised people of God, that we may be true to the promise of our baptism. Lord, hear us. For all people, that the good news may be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. For the poor of this world, that they will realise that they are God's beloved, and those who are rich and well-off will see them as their brothers and sisters and give practical assistance. Lord, hear us. For all of us gathered here that the Holy Spirit will take hold of us and guide us. Lord, hear us. For those who are sick, that the Lord will give them healing, peace and strength. Lord, hear us. For the dead, that they may see God's glory, especially those for whom we now pray. Lord, hear us. God, we see your glory in the baptism of your only beloved Son. We ask you to hear our prayers and the prayers of those chosen to be your family. We ask this confidently through Christ our Lord. Accept, O Lord, the offerings we have brought to honour the revealing of your beloved Son so that the oblation of your faithful may be transformed into the sacrifice of him who willed in his compassion to wash away the sins of the world, who lives and reigns for ever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in the waters of the Jordan you revealed with signs and wonders a new baptism, so that through the voice that came down from heaven we might come to believe in your word dwelling among us. 
and by the Spirit's descending in the likeness of a dove, we might know that Christ your servant has been anointed with the oil of gladness and sent to bring the good news to the poor. And so, with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty without end we acclaim, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. At the Saviour's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Behold the one of whom John said, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Let us pray. Nourished with these sacred gifts, we humbly entreat your mercy, O Lord, that faithfully listening to your only begotten Son, we may be your children in name and in truth. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks everyone, and may God's grace strengthen your love and hope and faith, and may God's love surprise you even in the trials and challenges of this coming week. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Love a time of Christian worship and reflection, led by Reverend Paul Kelly. 
Prayers and Chants from the Roman Missal 3rd Edition, copyright 2010, the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. Scriptures, New Revised Standard Version, copyright 1989 and revised 2009 by the NCC USA. The Psalms, copyright 1963 and 2009, The Grail, Collins Publishers. Prayers of the Faithful, from Together We Pray by Robert Borg, E.J. Dwyer Publishers, 1993. Sung Mass in Honour of St. Ralph Sherwin by Jeffrey M. Ofstrovsky. The Gloria, copyright 2011, ccwatershed.org. Updated lyrics by Paul Kelly and Stephen Kelk, arranged and sung by Stephen Kelk, 2019. Please visit homilycatholic.blogspot.com. Production by Kelly Enterprises Resources. May God bless and keep you.